Welcome to another episode of Strength for Today. We are here this week and we are going to be taking what we talked about last week a little bit further. We talked last week about the four levels in the right hemisphere of our brain. And we've continued to kind of unpack neuroscience and how God has wired us so that we don't have to live stuck in the same pain from our past traumatic experiences. And for so many of us, I think we're living in a time right now where we are feeling overwhelmed and anxious. And if we're realistic, probably fearful of things that we're seeing in the world. And all throughout this podcast called Strength for Today, what my intention and hope and desire and goal has been for you is to help you realize the connection of being in relationship with God and what it can do for us and how it provides a sense of strength and wisdom that we don't have apart from uh, being in a loving relationship with God. And so today we are going to look at just one more passage in James chapter four to close this episode out. But today I want to take this step a little further in terms of understanding our brain. And we talked uh, over the last couple of weeks about the four levels, level one being attachment, our ability to connect with other people, level two assessment, where we uh, label things as either good, bad, or scary. And then level three of attuning, how we relate to the people around us and synchronize with them. And then level four is our action center or our identity center, the, the place that we live and take action out of. And this is our character. This is the integrity in which we go about living our lives. And today we are going to look at when we get stuck in each one of these levels, we've given the illustration that it's like an elevator. And if you get stuck on level one in attachment, your ability to act like your true self from your true identity, it's nearly impossible to do that. And so we are going to just expose what our need is in each one of these different levels of our brain. And I'm going to be giving you some examples just in my life that I've recently had that hopefully can help you just get a practical application so that you can integrate these things in your daily life. And so let's just jump right in today. And I'm going to be using a couple of resources that I'm going to put in the description below as well. Uh, but the first one that I'm going to draw from is this group, uh, or this book that it's called Journey Groups, A Relational Model of Discipleship. And I've referenced this several times throughout the first and second seasons. And I just want to read a little part of this. And again, just understanding the two different hemispheres and how God wired our brains to work. And this is going to help us understand how we deal with pain in our lives or traumatic events that have happened to us and how we process through them to bring healing, to be restored, and to recover from these events or these experiences that we've had that can often leave us frustrated and stuck. And I love how the author Amy Brown talks about this. It says, the right hemisphere operates more rapidly than the left hemisphere. And in addition, the right side is nonverbal, expressing itself mainly through eye contact, voice tone, facial expression, and body language. We store the emotional content of our memories, what it felt like emotionally here. So this is the right hemisphere of our brain where we 
um, feel things and what it felt like in that moment. And it's nonverbal and it travels quicker than the left hemisphere, which it says uh, as well as what the memory felt like in our bodies. So that's still the right hemisphere of what it felt like in our bodies. And the right hemisphere doesn't store the narrative of our memories. The narrative is formed in the left hemisphere of our brain. And it, it actually states what happened, when it happened, where we were, and who was with us. And so the left hemisphere is often referred to as the logical, practical side or the uh, part of our brain that brings meaning and explanation to our life's experiences. And the right hemisphere is the one that really experiences these things, but yet doesn't have a language for it. We talked about how our right hemisphere is the relational part. So our ability to attach and to assess and to attune and to act like ourselves is only learned in the context of relationship. And this is the part of our brain that really drives our identity of who we become and how we respond in life. That's why it's so important to understand that our life as a follower of Christ needs to be rooted and based in relationship with him and not just an informational approach of knowing about who he is. But the more we interact and live in relationship with God, the more these parts of our brain are going to be developed and when they're well-developed and trained and build these skills, our lives are able to operate much smoother, where we're not going to get stuck in our pain and live there our whole lives. But we learn this process of healing and recovery that needs to happen in relationship. And so I just wanted to start us off right there because I thought that was a great illustration um, about what we need and when we need it. Um, and now I want to use another resource here called Building Bounce. And I've also referenced this book um, called Building Bounce, How to Grow Emotional Resilience. And this was written by Marcus Warner and Stephanie Hinman. And there is a great chapter, chapter three in this book on the neuroscience of how God's wired us. And it gives a more in-depth analysis of all these different components of what we need in our lives. And one of the examples that they used in this book that was really helpful for me, and if you like cars, you'll find this illustration to be very helpful. And so when we understand the left and the right hemisphere of our brain, uh, it's often like a brake system in a car because there is a master cylinder that actually controls all the other slave masters that uh, basically, the language for that is that you have a master cylinder that when you press on the brakes in your car, what's happening is that master cylinder is sending fluid to the other slave um, cylinders connected to the four brakes on your front and on your rear wheels. And when you press on the brake, that fluid's going and it, so it's allowing your car to stop and to deaccelerate. Um, so that you are safe. And so that's a great way to look at what happens in our brain, because there's experiences that happen in our lives that can either um, accelerate us into being amped up, or there's those in our lives that can uh, bring us down and bring us into this place of just being in despair. 
And we're going to see that if you go back and listen to those uh, that episode on emotions, there's emotions that are based from our attachments and our relationships. And a lot of the six big emotions that we talked about are emotions that are driven from the way we attach to individuals, um, in particularly with God as well. And then there are those in our left brain that are emotions that are driven by our beliefs and what we believe about a world around us, what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. And it's really fascinating. And I could even go further into this, but I don't want to uh, go down another rabbit trail here. So I'm going to stay focused and I'm going to uh, just continue to talk about this in terms of uh, the emotions that begin to drive us and cause these responses and reactions in our life. And so what I want to dive into right now is the four different levels I've talked about in this elevator of attachment, of uh, assessment, attunement, and our action center. And really coming to a place of understanding that we can get stuck in each one of these levels and what we're going to need in that um, when we're stuck in those areas is very beneficial if we know what we need and we're able to state it and we're often more when we're able to um, get what we need so that our brain is functioning because that's going to allow us to grow. It's going to build a resilience. It's going to build a level of competence for what we're doing. It's going to bring us into a place of having capacity to handle the overwhelming things of life. And when things go wrong and we begin to make mistakes, it's going to give us the capacity to move on and to learn and how we get stronger and grow and lead from a much healthier, holistic place in our lives and in our heart. And that's this whole idea where we've come through Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, where we had repentance as a big part of our healing process, where we're giving our hearts to the Lord and seeking his wisdom and his leadership for our lives. And so let me just jump right in um, to a section on this right here. Another analogy that I've heard from this book that I thought was really good, and I've heard Marcus Warner use this in other places, is kind of if you think of a bird uh, that's landed on gravel and there's bird seed that's been scattered on the gravel and there's two things that are happening in the bird's um, brain, really. And one of them is just trying to focus on the task of getting the bird seed out of the gravel and actually eating it to fulfill a need it has, which is to stay alive because it wants food. And so the left hemisphere of our brain brings focus and gives meaning to be able to accomplish the tasks that we are having to do. Well, the right side of our brain creates more awareness. So the left hemisphere is the focus, the ability to get tasks done. Uh, the right hemisphere is more of an awareness that's going to keep us safe and it's going to keep us alive, you might say. So in the example of the bird, it is pecking for the bird seed and the gravel in order to feed itself, but then it's also looking up and around its surroundings so that it's not becoming prey of something else and it's going to lose its life. And so it's got to have both things going on. And when you think about it, that is an incredible way for us to live our lives of what the human brain is capable of doing. And so here I want to go into 
the four things that our brain needs. And two of the things that often get us stuck is when we can't find meaning for an experience that we are having and we feel trapped or we feel like there is no way out. And the second thing is to have a satisfying explanation of it. Um, so th those two are kind of wrapped in one. We don't have an explanation uh, that is satisfying for us of the experience. And then that what I've said earlier is that our deepest level of pain is when we feel alone in something. And so when we can understand how to operate on all four levels of the right hemisphere of our brain, these two things often get solved. We know that we need other people. We need connection in time of pain and trauma. But then we also have to have a solution and a resolution um, to give meaning to what is happening and what it is that I need to do in order to either make this change or to receive the healing that my body needs. And so let's just jump in to these four aspects. And level one attachment is when our um, ability to connect with another person. And so what we need in that moment is actually to share in the experience with somebody. And sharing could be uh, explained as this. They need someone to share the experience. And a great example of this in scripture early on was in the book of Job. When Job had everything taken away from him, his friends were with him. And that was just, that was enough. They weren't trying to bring a solution early on, but they were just present with him. And so when we are feeling alone or when we're feeling fearful or shame, um, whatever one of those biggest six emotions we can get stuck in is that the, the hardest thing to do is to be alone in it and we get uncomfortable. And that's when we start to do uh, get caught in our behaviors where we try to numb the pain or avoid it or to to run from it or to try to fight and and project it onto someone else. And what we really need is just someone to share that experience with us. So in level two, we need someone that's actually going to soothe the emotion that we are feeling. So think about being stuck in a place where you have felt alone or maybe someone has been with you. And what you need in that moment because you're feeling overwhelmed is just someone to simply step aside into quiet with you. This is why one of the things that I've always tried to do in my leadership and more recent than uh, previous times of what I did was I actually take time to quiet, whether that's a breathing exercise, whether it's to just pause, whether it's to go for a walk. Um, these are great ways to just have someone with us who can soothe the emotion. Anger and fear are often two of the biggest emotions that we feel. And anger is and fear are really emotions that can elevate and heighten our aggression. And it's like hitting the gas pedal where it just revs everything up in our lives. And when we're revved up and when we're in a place of anger and fear, we're not going to listen to other people. We're not going to invite them in. We're going to push them away. And we're going to um, project that the problem is them. And I don't want anything to do with it. And I'm going to self-protect. I'm going to self-justify. And uh, you are not going to win. That's the approach and the mindset 
um, if we're not willing to quiet with somebody. But the ability to quiet can soothe these emotions. So when a car gets revved up, what you need to do is you need to be able to step on the brakes and begin to slow down. And it's going back to that analogy and that illustration of the master cylinder that controls uh, all four of the other brakes. And that's really the master, what we're going to see, the master cylinder is really our level four, the action center, the identity center, our character is that when things get overwhelming or we get stuck in an emotion, we have built these behaviors and these patterns in our lives that is going to allow us to kind of come down from these emotions. Or if it's on the other end where our life is full of despair and discouragement, where we don't feel any hope, it's like trying to walk through life with your foot on the brake. And anytime that you need joy or anytime that you need to have hope or excitement, you just can't get there because your foot is constantly on the brake. And so when we have a well-trained level four, um, it's going to be amazing to see how you can recover and live uh, from a from a higher place that's more consistent with the way that you want to behave and that it's like you to behave. And when these emotions come, you are not going to act like a different person and let the emotion or the situation get the best of you. So again, uh, level one, you need someone to share. Level two, someone to soothe the emotion by quieting with you. Level three in the attunement center, you need support. And support at level three might be people um, need a supportive action. You can think of this as a let's do this together level. Um, this might just be having someone come with you and just comforting you in this idea that you don't have to do it alone, but we're going to do this together. And then level four, what a person needs is that in, in that level of the action center is when we don't know how to do these things, we need examples in our life. And, you know, what we can't see and what we don't see done by other people, we can't reflect that and we can't model it. And so that's why reading scripture is so important because you are given an example, numerous examples in scripture that begin to teach us and train us a new way of doing something or having older people in our lives that are maybe more mature or have skills that we don't have, why it's important for us to invite them around us and give us an example so that we know and our brain has something in its file cabinet to say, oh, that's what it's like to get back from, to joy from a place of anger. And you have examples. And so your mere neurons in your brain take that in. And so when these situations come up where your anger is triggered, your, your brain is trying to assess those files or access those files and says, oh, that, there's that example of a person who knows how to get back to joy from anger. And you're able to actually integrate these things into your life. And so that's at level four of what you need is someone to show you. And at level five, we move over to the left hemisphere of the brain where your narrative is formed and meaning is given to your experiences. What you need there is for someone to suggest a different perspective or to suggest a new way of doing something. 
So you see there's a different need if we're stuck. And when we're walking through life, we have to be able to identify where uh, we're at on the map or on the grid um, if we're stuck and we just feel alone, then sometimes the best thing that you need is for someone to share. If you're overwhelmed and your gas or your foot is on the gas and you just can't come down, find someone who's got a calm, peaceful presence about them and quiet with them because your body will begin to calm down. Level three, find someone that's going to do something with you that can support you in and at level four, the action center, um, have someone that can show you when you don't know how. In level five, have someone suggest a new way that has worked for them or giving you new insight or wisdom. So these are just some of the practical ways of what our brain needs at each level. And it's important that we surround ourselves with people who can demonstrate these things for us. And I wanna share just one more simple little thing. Going back to this book called Journey Groups, and I thought this was very helpful. This is a little chart in one of those lessons that kind of breaks this down a little bit further. Uh, and I'm gonna go level by level again. And this could be something that you go back to. And, and again, this could be very helpful. But at level one, you're trying to connect. And it's the task at hand is to connect in a healthy way out of joy and not fear. But the feeling that you're going to feel when you're not connected in joy, but rather fear, is you're going to feel alone and you're going to feel rejected. And the solution that you're going to need when you feel that is someone that is going to love you regardless of feeling alone or rejected or the choices that you've made, they're going to stand with you. So it's someone that's going to love you and who better than Jesus? This could be a loved one, a spouse, one of your children, a dear friend. This could take in many different forms, but that's at level one. The deepest pain that we can feel is to be alone and to be rejected. And then as we move up into level two, uh, story two in the building, if you want to look at it that way, it's to assess, is this good? Is this bad? Or is it scary? And your response often is fight, flight, or freeze. And so what you're going to feel when level one is stuck, and you're trying to assess something is you're going to feel disconnected from other people. And you're only thinking about taking care of myself. And that's what creates that response of, I'm either going to fight that person, I'm going to freeze, or I'm going to just run and avoid them because I really don't care. That's how it sounds within our heart and in our mind and our thinking. So what do you need in that when you feel disconnected and you're only wanting to take care of yourself? You need the solution of soothing. Someone that is going to quiet with you. Level three, the attunement part. What you're going to feel when you're in distress in the attunement center is you are going to be overwhelmed by your emotions and you're going to feel stuck in them. And what you need in a solution is someone to mirror for you, someone that's going to synchronize with your thoughts. And we are going to do this together. Number four, your, your task is to act like your true self, the way God's created you. And when you feel in distress, you're going to feel inadequate. 
that you don't know what to do. And that's why in this level, you need an example of someone who's going to be willing to show you what it's like to act in this situation or in this emotion. And then level five is to articulate something. That's our left hemisphere. And what you're going to feel when you're in distress is you're going to be confused. You're going to ask the question, what is going on? And so what your solution that you need is you need more information to solve that problem or to solve the issue. So I hope that's been helpful. That's a really basic uh, introduction to a lot of this. And you can go back and listen to it. I would highly recommend the resources that I've mentioned. Three that I've been in for the last several weeks is Rare Leadership by Marcus Warner and Jim Wilder. The second one is Level 1 of Journey Groups, a relational discipleship experience. And the third one is Building Bounce, How to Grow Emotional Resilience by Marcus Warner and Stephanie Hinman. And it breaks it down in a lot more depth, but I'm just trying to give you an overview and this has been extremely helpful in my own life. And I've spent the last six years continuing to dive into these things and understand the way that God has wired me and wired us so that I don't have to live constantly stuck in this cycle of pain and trauma and destructive behaviors for myself and for the people in my life that I love dearly, that I don't want to hurt any longer. And I don't want to be stuck in my brokenness. And so I want to encourage you today that there is hope because we can grow in our ability to live in joy, to live as a much loved child and to understand that the way we're wired uh, in our physical brain is to live in relationship. And if we're living in relationship, the way God designed us to live those four levels, those first three levels are going to be working in, in sync and you're going to be able to act at level four like your true self, like your true identity, the person that God has created you to be. And the fascinating thing that I learned about this is that levels one and two are subconscious. They are the deepest part of who we are. And these two levels are formed from an early childhood age from the time that I, th I believe it's um, in the first couple of years of life where we're forming that healthy attachment and we're assessing, are they glad to be with me? And when these things are formed well, it's much easier later on in life to build a strong level three and four because our brain isn't created with a solid foundational level three and four. And so how level one and two are formed early on will be um, crucial to how we build level three and four. And a lot of times what happens is we're trying to get to this place in level four of living from our true identity. And we try to put a level three, if you think about it, in stories of a house where you've got a either a healthy foundation, one in joy or um, an unhealthy foundation that is in fear. And you try to put a level three in to synchronize to the people around you in the world around you. And a lot of times we've got these deformities in this level. 
and we're trying to build our identity and character. And so we constantly go back and we fall into old habits and old ways of thinking because we never had a fully formed level three, which is uh, above our subconscious and we're conscious at these levels. And so it requires intentional work on our behalf to synchronize and to build relational skills with the people around us. Because I think our deepest desire is that we want to live as the man or the woman of God that God has called us to be without the hindrance of our pain and our trauma continuing to allow us to, to live a sinful and broken life because God's desire is to heal us. I know that's been a lot. And I just want to share a couple examples from my own life of how this has played out and how I've come to understand this. And one of them was in a time back when I was on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Colorado, and I was going through something that was very hard, and it created tension within my marriage. And I knew that I had made a mistake, and I knew um, I had hurt Michelle uh, in a way that was not fair to her. And I was feeling a lot of shame. I was feeling a lot of guilt in some of the choices and um, things that I had been doing and um, just being real candid here. And I can remember one night, I didn't know who to go to. I felt alone. I felt rejected. I was not assessing the situation well. I was trying to protect myself. Um, but yet I was very concerned at the, at the consequences of you know, my choices and my actions. And so the only person that I wanted to call really was my uh, supervisor. And is I've mentioned him several times in season one, Lee, if you're listening to this, um, kudos to you for, for demonstrating this. But um, I can remember calling him and he lived about an hour, uh, I'm trying to remember, an hour and a half maybe away from me down in Colorado Springs. And I was living in Denver and I called him up and I said, Lee, this is what's happened. I'm at a really hard place and I couldn't hold back the tears. He knew I was upset. And he said, Eric, where are you at? And I told him I'm sitting in a parking lot next to the lake at uh, Clement Park. And he knew exactly where that was because he was familiar with Littleton. And he said, Eric, don't go anywhere. Stay there. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive up to you. And so I just sat there and I began to just pray and cry out like David did in Psalm 32 and 51. And I just began to pray and I just began to listen to the Lord's heart. And I was scared. I was fearful about what, what might happen in the future. And I can remember that hour and a half seemed like an eternity. But when I saw Lee pull into the parking lot and he pulled up next to me and I can remember getting out of the car and I was fighting back the tears. And he got out of the car and he just gave me a big hug and he held me. I don't even know for how long it was, but it seemed like several minutes. And I can remember he didn't even try to share anything. He didn't even try to say anything to me. He just embraced me and gave me a hug. And he said, Eric, I love you. And this doesn't change our relationship. And he said, let's just sit down. I want to hear what's going on. I want to hear what's in your heart. And I just want to pray with you. And I want to pray that the Lord would comfort you in this and bring you to a place where you can recover and you can be restored through this, because this isn't the end, that the Lord has incredible things that he wants to do in this. Remember him just being 
present and sharing in that moment. And then we took a few minutes where he just went and sat, I think, on the ground and a curb. And he just quieted with me. He soothed me. And I was able to assess the situation at a much better place. And then he shared in that moment with me at level three, where he was just there and he synchronized with my emotions and he related to me and he validated where I was at. And then at level four in my action center, he reminded me of who I was and what it was going to be like me to act like in this moment moving forward. So that was a very real example of how this played out at all four of these levels. And then I began to understand new meaning and I had a new expression of um, a perspective and new information of what I needed to do in order to get the healing that I needed and to bring restoration between the relationship between Michelle and I that had been ruptured. And yes, um, you know, we've been through a, a few few rounds of some pretty severe and intense situations between the two of us, but God has been faithful. I've had people like Lee in my life that came around us, that loved us, that prayed for us, that validated where we were at and just loved and served us in those moments. And so Lee and Julie, I'm thankful. I'm grateful because our marriage is stronger than ever. And it, you, you brought in a level of healing that could not have been possible if you hadn't taken that time to just be with me in that moment. And I want to end this episode by sharing just one more episode in my life as a father and, and for my child. You see, our youngest son, uh, we were on vacation in Kentucky a couple summers ago, and we had this house that we had rented. It was on a lake. And one night, uh, one afternoon, we were out playing. We had a dock that you kids could just jump off the ledge and of the dock and into the water. Well, our oldest two at the time uh, had the courage and the confidence to jump off the end of the dock. And my youngest son, which I can't, I think he was maybe six years old or five years old at the time, um, maybe even four, but he was pretty young and he had a life jacket on. And I could tell with everything in him that he wanted to go and to jump in the water, but he just didn't have the confidence and the courage. And so my heart went out to him. As a father, I was out with, uh, with Michelle, my wife on the lake, and we had our little floaties and we were floating out there and just watching them have fun. And I could tell my their youngest son was distraught. And so actually, I think I was in a kayak. And so I paddled up to the shore and I just knew like he needed someone that he felt alone and that he couldn't do this. And the other two at the time, they didn't know they were doing this, but they were trying to put pressure on him. And I think our youngest, our youngest son was beginning to feel a little bit ashamed um, about himself and that he wasn't, um, didn't have the courage to do this. And I could tell he just needed someone to come alongside of him. And so I sat down with him on the dock. And I just said, I'm here for you, buddy. How you feeling? Like, what's going on? And he just began to say, he's like, I want to jump, dad, but I just, I, I don't have the courage to do that. And so I just assured him that I'm here with him. And if he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. And I could just sense the level that dad's with me was comforting to him. And so then I kind of worked up and I'm not thinking about this now. I wasn't thinking about this in the moment, but I, when I was journaling about it later, I began to see this at four levels in the brain after I had learned all this stuff. And so the second thing I knew 
And I asked him, you know, what are you afraid of? What are you scared of? What's keeping you back from jumping? And so I'm helping him assess the fears that he has about jumping off the dock. And he began to share his heart with me. And I said, I'm sorry, buddy. You know, you see your brother and your sister doing it and you see that they're having fun. And I, and, and what I did was I just quieted with him for a moment. And I said, let's just sit here and be together in this how for however long that you need. And after a couple of minutes, I just said, what if I did it together with you? And so I tried to, um, so I soothed it. I soothed his level two and at level three, attuning and synchronizing with him is what he needed with someone to share and say, let's do this together. And so I said, what if we did this together? What if I jumped first and set an example for you? And so I did. And then I got back up on the dock and I said, you know, we want to do this together. And he wanted to, but he still couldn't do it. And I said, okay, let's do this. So we sat at the end of the dock and I had uh, Cameron, I think our daughter come over in the kayak. And I just said, Hey, but what if I just lowered you down into the kayak right now? And you can kind of see and feel that it's not that far down. And finally he got the courage to do that. And so I lowered him down into the kayak and then our daughter brought him back to the other side of the dock. And I could see he was getting the courage and the confidence that he needed at this level of someone synchronizing with him. And I said, okay, now what if Cameron's not out there and I just lower you into the water? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think that would be okay, dad. And so I lowered him into the water and I let go of him. And then he came running back around and I could tell he was a little more energetic. And I said, okay, you know, what if I just kind of hold you over the ledge this time and I kind of drop you so that you get a feel for what it's like. And you begin to sense that it's not that far of a drop. And so he said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And so I did that and I dropped him in. And then he came running back over and I was so excited. And at the same time, I'm looking out at my wife and I can just see her smiling as this whole thing's unfolding. And as I look back to my son, which I thought he was behind me on the dock, I saw that he wasn't there. And the next thing I heard was a splash in the water. And I looked out and my son had jumped off the edge of the dock. And I get teary eyed just thinking about this, but helping him through that situation as a father was so meaningful for me. Um, to see him overcome something that he was fearful of. But again, this isn't praising myself, but it was through God's wisdom because when I saw my son who had this fear about jumping off the edge, I just said a simple prayer and I said, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do to comfort my son in this moment so that he can do something that he desires to do? And he knows, because if you know my youngest son, he's fearless and he's one that usually isn't hesitant to do something. And when I saw this, I said, there's got to be a way to help him. Lord, give me the wisdom of how to do this. And he gave me those steps that I just walked through. And at the time, I didn't realize all four levels were happening. But I was so encouraged of what happened in that moment. And how my son overcame his fear. And so I just wanted to share those two examples with you and encourage you that there is hope, regardless if you feel stuck right now. The greatest advocate you have and counselor that you have, can li he either lives inside of you already, or you can take this moment to just say, Jesus, I need you in my heart. Lord, I want you. Forgive me of my sins and bring, fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
Because once that presence, the presence of Jesus dwells within you, he draws near to you and he begins to help you understand these things because he doesn't want you to stay stuck with where you're at. And that's why for me, one of the values that I live from is having a growth mindset and growing through the hard things in life and embracing hardship and seeing that if we're willing to embrace the hard things in life, it's going to produce a resilience and a resolve in us that is going to strengthen us and make us stronger in the moments that are ahead for us. And so I want to end this episode from James chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, as an encouragement to you today. It says this, and this is from the English Standard Version, it says, or do you suppose it is of no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. The Lord is jealous of the spirit that he has put in you because he's, he knows there is greatness in you. And he says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is an incredible passage of wisdom from James saying that your heart is so important and valuable to God and that he burns with a passion and compassion for you're the very spirit he's placed within you. And he says he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the evil one and flee, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And this is all done by purifying our hearts, coming humbly before the Lord so that he can take our divided heart in the double-mindedness that lives within us, and he can remove it. And then in verse 10, this is the promise he gives if we're willing to do those things. He says to humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will exalt you. It takes the pressure off to performing and trying to accomplish things in your own strength but simply humble yourself today before the Lord and see what he begins to do and how he wants to meet with you because he loves you and you are dear in his heart. So I pray that his strength would be the foundation that regardless of your level one, of where you're at in attachment, that the Lord would be a person that could connect with you that you would assess that he is good, that he is kind, that he can soothe your pain and just quiet with him. And then what you're going to find is that he's going to synchronize with you. He's going to attune with who you are and he's going to begin to put his thoughts and his promptings inside of you through his Holy Spirit that lives within you. And he's going to share life with you and he's going to say, I'm going to walk through this with you. That's why I sent my son. That's why I've given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you three advocates, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they are crazy about you. And then four, 
he's going to fulfill at level four the greatest desire in your heart to be who you know you can become, to not be stuck in your pain, but to be restored and to recover from all the sin and the brokenness that may be in your life. And then he's going to put new meaning on your life and give you a new expression of how to live that out. So be encouraged today and come back next week as I'm gonna take this a little bit further and I'm gonna share a few more things with you that's gonna build on understanding how you were wired to live in relationship with God and to love those people in your life and in the world around you. So be blessed today and I'll see you next Tuesday.